0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Parables. Jesus oftentimes used these short stories to teach people. Sometimes the parable opened people's eyes to the profound truth of God. Other times the parable was symbolic and challenged people to go deeper in their faith. But with every parable, Jesus wanted people to live out the reality of what they learned. This summer, we'll be studying some of the parables that Jesus used so we can discover and live out their truths in our lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. we love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website, www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Morning, Valleybrook. My name is David Steiler. I'm the student pastor here, and I want to take this opportunity to release our children through grade five to go to Children's Church. So I want to start out this morning with a question. And this isn't a like, hey, everyone raise your hand if this has happened. Because I know it can be a little embarrassing. But if you want to raise your hand and everyone see, then that's fine as well. So the question is, have you ever been fired from a job? Maybe, maybe you have been fired from a job. Some of you are like, yep, that was me. Maybe you have. Maybe it was a, uh, maybe it was a surprise Um, Or a shock, something you didn't deserve, or maybe when, you know, the boss walked in or called you into your office, you're like, yep, I'm getting fired today. And you just knew it was coming, you deserved it, Um, you know, you expected it, you know, I didn't show up to the job, I did a lot of things on the internet, downloaded a lot of music, played solitaire, beat some really important levels of Angry Birds. You know, maybe I spent um, some very important time on Facebook being entertained by some debates on Granby living and learning about the bears and how the bears are terrible and amazing all at the same time. You know, maybe like you're like, yep, you know what, I deserved it. So you were fine with it, you were cool, like, but then you then you left and and you're thinking, like, what am I gonna do now? Like, what is the next step um, for my life? You know, how am I gonna support my family? How am I gonna pay, how am I gonna pay the bills, you know, how am I gonna support my angry bird's addiction? Like, how am I gonna do these things? You know, how am I gonna do the important things in life? Because you know that when you apply for a job, they're gonna f- wanna call your previous job and say, why is he no longer working there? And when they're like, he didn't do anything, and he just goofed off, then then there's a problem. So if you felt that, if you've experienced that, then the parable we're going to look at today is very, very similar. So we're looking at um, Luke 16, and Jesus is telling a parable about a guy who was getting fired. He deserved it, and and he knew it. Um, So in advance, I want to tell you guys that this is probably the most difficult, complicated parable that Jesus tells. Um, So I told Pastor Clark that I think he gave me this one because he didn't want to do it himself. Um, He said that I picked the date to preach, which is true, and that I knew which parable I was going to do. I did not know which parable I was going to do. He said it was in it was in the email. It was in the email, but it was like a document that was at the very bottom. It was hidden. And once I looked like the fifth time, I saw it. So, And he gave me the option of picking a different one. But this option was given after I'd already spent two weeks preparing. So I just said, you know what? I'll just take it. I'll take it on. Um, so, yeah, there we go. So, um, you know, this is, again, like a little bit more difficult parable. Um, as I was studying, there were um, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different views on what it actually meant, um, but I think this is, this is probably um, the most accurate. As we've seen through our series, parables are stories that Jesus shared to his disciples and other people as a way of teaching that really got them thinking. He often challenged people, especially Pharisees, and how they lived their lives and how they treated people. So as I study the parable, I think that um, what I'm going to share with you this morning is probably the most practical um, meaning of it and the way that best applies um, to the people, the disciples and, and the Pharisees, and I think it best applies to us as well today. Um, so, so I went with what I think was the most practical and what um, I felt like God was really trying to tell us today. So let's take a look at the passage, and then uh, we'll kind of break it down piece by piece and try to understand the message that Jesus was giving. So let's take a look. uh, Luke 16, starting in verse 1. Um, It says, Luke told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked, asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. And he says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. He's basically saying, I'm going to get people to owe me so that I'll have a place to stay. And so he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He replied, 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down very quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? Said, A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. Like if I was if I was the manager if I was the rich man, and then, you know the the manager came in to bring an account to me and he says, "Hey, I got you this money, but I basically like cut your earnings in half." I don't know that I would be that happy, um, but um, the rich man, uh, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly um, for the. And it says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So when I first read this, I'm like, what does the word shrewd even mean? Because when I first read it, I'm like, this is a terrible thing that that he's saying. Like, shrewd just sounds kind of evil. And really what I saw was that when he's saying shrewd, he means clever. So it's clever, maybe witty, and, you know, looking ahead. So let's continue um, verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you um, have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and serve money. So to break down the story, Jesus, he starts out um, by addressing the disciples specifically. But... Beginning, um, or based on the beginning of chapter 15 and the end of the parable, there's also a crowd of people and, and a crowd of Pharisees or religious leaders who are there as well. Um, so the first, the first person we really see is we see the shrewd or we see the clever the clever manager. So the parable starts out, it has a rich man, and he's informed that the, ma- the manager is wasting his possessions. So before we get too far in... Um, the question is, like, what is the manager actually supposed to be doing? So we have, you know, the word manager today can mean a lot of different things. It could be the, the manager and CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or it could be the shift manager at a McDonald's, you know, or somewhere in between. So that's really a wide range of, of responsibilities. Um, I think in this case, the manager or steward was a trusted servant, who was chief in the management and distribution of household provision. He provided food for all of the servants um, in the house, thus managing the master's resources for the well-being of others. He also acted as an agent for his manager, um, for his ma- uh, the, he acted as an agent for his master, for the rich man, with full authority to transact business in his master's name. So he dealt with finances, of the rich man, a lot as well. So the rich man he finds out that his manager was guilty of wasting, um, of wasting resources. He isn't necessarily stealing or cheating, but he's simply being wasteful. He's being irresponsible um, and probably pretty lazy as well. In verse two, the rich man calls him in, and he gives the manager a chance to defend himself. He says, "You know, this is what I what I've heard about you. You know." Is it, is it true? And the manager tells him, or the manager knows he's guilty, so he basically says nothing. He doesn't. We don't see anywhere in here that he tries to defend himself or say, no, that's not true, or I've been working really hard. Um, he says nothing. So the master says, um, you know, give me an account of your management because you can no longer work for me. So then we have uh, the manager, he knows that he deserves to be fired, um, and he's stressed out and he's worried about the future. He says, wow, I'm, you know, because not only was he a manager, but he also lived in the rich man's house. So that was where he lived when he got fired, you know, he was obviously going to be kicked out. He wasn't going to get fired and then said, all right, sure, you can keep your room, you can keep all your food and all that. You know, he's he's kicked out altogether, so he's like, what in the world am I going to do? And in verse 3, he says, he says, wait a minute. He goes, I'm not strong enough to dig or do like, manual labor. And he says, I'm too ashamed to beg. So he was, you know, he was probably lazy, he was weak, but then he also had a lot of pride in him, so he didn't want to ask people for money. After that, he decides that since he's weak and he's too proud to beg, he wants to figure out how to be a freeloader and a couch surfer who can live at other people's expense, so, as I'm thinking about this i I kind of picture him as like you know the thirty to forty year old kid who you know kid who like lives in his parents' basement um, watches Netflix, plays video games, doesn't have a job, isn't looking for a job, and maybe he like you know yells up to his mom to bring him like bagel bites or pizza rolls and and you know mom, you know laundry's ready, you know things like that so you kind of see him as being the like couch surfer, the freeloader, the you know guy living in the basement who doesn't work and watches Netflix and plays video games. I mean, in a mo- more modern setting, obviously, they didn't have Netflix in the Bible times. Um, so, um, but as far as people as as people know, he still works for the rich man. So he discounts people's bills um, so that they'll owe him. He's like, hey, you know, if I can save them money. You know, help them pay off their debt, then they'll owe me and they'll give me a place to stay. So the total reduction of bills totaled around 20 months' wages. So he, he cut their bill pretty significantly, and they were, they were quick to sign, they were quick to pay. They're like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, and verse 8, again, it's, it's a pretty confusing verse, because the rich man actually praises the unrighteous manager for being shrewd, for being clever, too. Uh, He praises him for looking ahead to the future. So in the second part of verse 8, Jesus steps out of the story. You know, it's like the story's over now. Now Jesus begins explaining um, what it means. And, um, you know, he says the rich man praises uh, the dishonest manager because of his planning ahead. And Jesus says the children of this age, when he's referring to that, he's saying, you know, people who aren't my disciples— um, in today's terms, as people who aren't, who aren't Christians, who aren't followers of Christ. He says, um, they are more shrewd and more clever in the things of this world than the disciples. And he's saying, like, this is a good thing. Um, John Piper says that, that basically Jesus is saying, it may be true that you poor benign Christians don't know how to be smart in this world's affairs. But guess what? It is insignificant compared to the wisdom that I'm about to teach you in how to use money to secure your eternal future. Um, Jesus wants us to be good, to be faithful stewards um, who are looking um, in his plan and use his wealth in amazing ways, not people who simply look out for ourselves. Um, He wants us to not be like the, the shrewd manager who's only looking out for ourselves. You know, he's sharing, you know, Christians... Um, my disciples aren't, you know, that wise or that shrewd. They're people who are looking more to the eternal future than their their temporary place that they're going to sleep. So uh, for application, I want to take a look at what it means to be a faithful steward. Um, Here, verse 9 really gives the punchline. Um, Here's what the disciple, the Christian disciple or steward of God's possessions needs to do says we need to use the worldly wealth or earthly money to make friends. These aren't friends like, hey, now I'm rich, so I'm going to have all these friends that follow me around because I have money. That's not that's not what it's talking about. He says, you know, these are our friends who outlive our world and can give us homes that last forever. These friends are God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, The faithful steward, God's stewards, must be shrewd and clever in using the wealth of this world to get a home in the world to come. Christ is the owner or master of the house, and those who serve God are stewards or servants in God's house. We're not owners. It's not, yeah, this is mine, this is mine. It's, this is God's. Like, God wants to use us and all the things that he provides us with um, for him and for his glory. Um, The faithful and just steward is a person whose master is God. They will use the wealth that they have here on earth in building up the kingdom of God. We need to be generous with our wealth and use it to the benefit of others. Um, So Pastor Clark kind of touched on this last week. Um, A lot of us, like some of you may be rich, but a lot of us are like, we're not, you know, we're not rich. It's not like we have $100,000 laying around that we can, you know, use to help people. Um, but if you make $32,000 a year, you are in the top 1% in the world. Um, you know, if you say, oh, I, I only make 32000 a year, like, you're in the top 1% of the world. You know, if you have a, a car and a home to go to, you know, with food in your house, um, you know, you're wealthy. I think some of us, like, you know, we're like, at home and we look in the fridge or, you know, you look in the cabinet you're like, I don't have any food. Like, we have food. <laughs> it may not be like, it may not be what you want, but like, I think all of us, like, we have, you know, food in our home. We have things, things to eat. So if you have a car or a house and, and food, like, you're wealthy. Um, we all have things that we can give up to do a better job of using our wealth for God. Um, while the unjust stewards saw his master's resources as a means for his own enjoyment, his own advancement, um, Jesus wants his followers to be just and righteous stewards. Um, if we understand that everything that we own is a gift from God, everything we own belongs to him, then we realize that, that God is the owner and we are his stewards. Um, we are to use the master. We're to use God's resources to further um, his goals, not our own. Um, A pastor and writer named Thabidi Anubwile says um, the Lord's teaching about discipleship as stewardship brings our faith to real life. Um, He said the rubber of discipleship meets the road of practical decisions about money and possessions. The Lord teaches us That we are, that we display our relationship with God in our decisions and actions as caretakers of His possessions. So let's get practical here. Taking a look at at our own life and the things we have around us, Um, with the internet and social media and Amazon at our fingertips, it's easy to see things that we're tempted to buy or that we feel like we we need. You know, someone asked me like, "Oh, where did you get that book?" It's like, Amazon, where'd you get those clothes? Amazon, where'd you get the furniture? Amazon, like, where did you get your groceries the other day? Like, Amazon, you know, we can get everything there. It's all at our fingertips. You know, with Instagram and Facebook, we see, um, you know, what other people are wearing, what they have, like the new styles. You know, we see all of that, and it's easier for us to think, like, oh, I need that. It's like, no, we really don't need that. That's just what kind of goes through goes through our mind. Um, and it's easy to compare ourselves to other people. But in what ways can we use our wealth um, to be righteous stewards, to be good stewards of what God has given us? Um, the first way is simple. It is in giving back to the church through tithing and giving. Um, You know, when you give to the church or you give support to missionaries, you know, you're supporting God's work and you're using your money to serve, to serve him. You know, when you tithe, it's not just that you're giving money to the church. It's, um, you know, a way that you are worshiping God and that you are supporting um, the ministry, you're supporting the work that he wants to do. Um, Another way is through giving support to people who are doing God's work or supporting people in need. Um, This could be through supporting, like, various charities, you know, helping finance mission trips, or simply helping and supporting people in need. Um, Many of you helped support Amber and I in adopting our son, Oliver, and, you know, that was such a blessing um, to us. You know, when you give financial support to help people um, in need, like, that is such a blessing um, to them. And really, it's a blessing you know, to you as well. I know when some of you, like, see, um, you know, Oliver now, and maybe some of you have followed him from, you know, the beginning, like, it's amazing to see, um, you know, where he is now, and and those of you who helped us through, you know, prayer and and giving and support, like, you know, you've been a part of that. You've been a part of his journey and his life so far, Um, and we really appreciate it. It means so much to us. You know, a third way um, is through giving our time to serve and to invest in people. Um, you know, this, this passage, this parable, is, is mostly talking about, about finances and talking about, you know, richness and, and the things that, that God has given us. But, um, you know, in today's world, we have such busy lives that sometimes time is worth more than money to us. Um, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, hey, I can, I can just give money and help. Which is, like, money is helpful, but also time means so much as well. Um, you know, sometimes time, again, is worth, is worth more than money, and investing time in someone makes a greater impact than just giving money and walking away. Um, John Piper says, don't worry about being a shrewd investor in this age, where you can provide a future that will only fail. Instead, be a really shrewd investor by investing in people's lives. Use your resources to do as much good as you can for the glory of God and the eternal good of others. Others who will go before you and welcome you there. You know, there are tons of opportunities around us to to serve and to give our time, whether it's helping someone in your neighborhood, supporting the needs and caring for someone in the church who's going through a hard time or or illness or sickness, um, or serving in the church or in the community in various ways. Um you know it's easy to look down and just say oh well I I don't know I don't know where to serve I don't know where to start or or how to serve um but there are plenty of opportunities if we if we just you know look up and look around or if we just ask um a lot of times when we do just kind of look down and we say those things it's because all we're looking at is ourselves or looking at what's right in front of us um you know, but again, if we ask, but you may say like, I don't have time to serve. You know, I have a family, you know, my kids play, I have five kids, they all play sports and I have, you know, work and working and crazy hours. And, and, you know, you're looking at all of this stuff um, and all the time and how stretched you already are. Um, but, you know, we have needs in our church that you could serve anywhere from, you know, weekly to monthly to even like once a year. Um, there's always opportunities to serve, and I think we can always find um, time to give in different ways. Um, and these are everything from simply welcoming people as they walk in the door to helping with snacks after service to cleaning or mowing the lawn, working with kids or teens or, you know, hosting or leading a small group. Those are just a few, just a few things that, that we have um, available to serve in our church. Um, And if you don't know what you're good at or what you're interested in, you know, join us at Growth Track next Sunday um, during the first service. That's a great way to discover your gifts and see the opportunities that we have in our church to serve. The point is, um, we all have some time. We all have some resources or money that we can use for God. We need to be faithful with the time and resources um, that God has given us, that God has provided for us. Verses 10 and 11 say, um, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now understand, like these verses, it's not a prosperity thing, like, oh, if you're faithful, then God will, you know, give you riches and give you all this other stuff. Um, What it is is, it means that when we are faithful with God has given us, he will reward us in heaven. He will re- reward us with, with eternal riches and with, you know, permanent um, blessing and rewards. Um, the third thing that I want to look at here is that God is um, the master. God needs to be our master. He needs to be our Lord and the priority. Um, the real challenge of this passage comes in verse 13, uh, where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can't serve two masters or worship two gods. Um, it's one or the other. So I still remember my my first year here at Valley Brook, and we had our uh, winter retreat. We went up to Hume, um, and we were with our middle school group, and. We were in the cabin on the last night, and we were talking about um, making the decision to follow Christ and giving your life to him, making him Lord of your life. Um, And I challenged our students to make the commitment to follow him. And and I said, you know, does anyone want to make that decision tonight? Does anyone who, you know, hasn't um, asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, does anyone want to do that? And, I, you know, and I explained to them and I reminded them, like, this is a important decision and this is one that is, you know, permanent. And it's like, I'm in 100%. Um, I had one student raise his hand and he said, like, I'm 50-50. Which, like, honestly, like, I appreciated his honesty. I appreciated him saying, like, here is where I'm at. You know, he was being open and saying, like, I want to follow God. I want God to be my Savior, but I still don't want anything about my life to change. Um, And and, and sadly, I had to tell him, you know, either God is God and he's your Lord and he's your priority or he's not. You can't go halfway. Like, it's, it's, it's all or nothing here. You know, and, and that was sad. And this is just a reminder, like, we can't serve God and money. We can't serve God and, and you know, pride or status or time or anything else. Um, we need to be serving God, and he needs to be the one God, the one master of our lives. So to wrap up, we all have to ask ourselves— Will we allow God and, and money and possessions and time to be um, our God or our idol? Or will we serve the one living and true God who owns all things? Um, and this isn't saying, like, well, hey, you know, you need to give all of your bank account to the church or, you know, begin, like, serving at the church, you know, 40 hours a week or every week. But it's saying, like, let's find ways in our life that we can— that we can sacrifice, find ways that we can serve, find ways that we can give. Um, And we have to ask ourselves those questions. Um, And honestly, this has been a tough message um, because, you know, I feel like for me, like my time and and money is um, is important. I need to be careful with it. And, um, you know, being in ministry, it's like spend a lot of time here and want to make sure that. You know, I balance that with time with, you know, my wife and child and family. Um, and, it's, and it's hard, but I also have to remember, like, um, you know, even with that, like, it's important to be serving. It's important to be giving um, back to God and finding ways to do that in a, in a better um, way. And, and honestly, some of that is just being more careful with, you know, how money and time is spent anyway and making that uh, that meaningful and using that in a good way. Um, so I wanna take this opportunity just to ask everyone to bow their heads um, and take just a minute to pray, to talk to God, um, search your hearts and really ask God like, what do I need to do? Um, so here's some questions that, that I just like to ask. Um, you know, ask, do I recognize that everything I have belongs to God? Do I know that he is the owner? Um, you know, we are, we are merely the, the managers or the caretakers. Second question is Am I using my time, my talent, my treasure, my wealth, and richness for God, or am I using it for myself? Do I use what I have in a way that pleases God, or do I use it in a way that cheats God? Am I storing up treasures in heaven? Or am I building up the the riches of the world um that will fail me that won't be here forever? God I pray as we um go to the next part of our service to um, worship and communion God I pray that you will um, just speak to our hearts that God that you will show us um things in our life that that we need to change things that we need to adjust to um follow you in a, in a better way and so that we can be better stewards of what you have given us um, and god i just pray that you will work in our hearts and um that we won't leave this here on on sunday morning when service is over but god that we will just take your word um, with us and that we will hold it and its principles in our hearts in jesus name i pray amen <laughs>